Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the egg on your face edition. This week, we're talking about the massive investment Intel is making here in Ohio, why redistricting is the process that will never, ever end, when former Speaker Larry Householder might finally go on trial for public corruption, and what a bunch of Republican retirements say about the Ohio GOP. This week, I'm joined in studio by reporter Jesse Balmert. Welcome back to the show, Jesse. Thanks for having me. So our first topic is a big one. In fact, it's $20 billion big. That's how much money Intel says it will initially invest in Ohio to build a semiconductor chip manufacturing campus northeast of Columbus. It's expected to bring tens of thousands of jobs, both at Intel and in construction and in sort of like surrounding jobs in the area. Um, It's supposed to bring in a bunch of money and development. The governor took a big victory lap last week, but there's one number we still don't know. And that is the total amount that Ohio is offering in incentives to the company. So what that means is when a big company is looking for a place to locate, the city or the county or the state will offer them property tax abatements, tax credits, tax cuts, actual just like cash grants for like job creation and development and things. They all widen roads. And it's basically whatever would make Ohio more attractive than the 39 other states that applied for the Intel campus. And we have no idea, right? Yeah, I feel like I should be interviewing you about this topic because you did a great story digging into all the various places where this money could be coming from or incentives could be coming from. And I think that was a bit of the frustration um, from the Intel announcement, which is obviously a huge deal for the central Ohio and even Ohio region. They're touting this as the next biggest thing since Honda. And yet it's still not clear how this affects Ohio taxpayers, how this is going to affect that area. I think you're going to see a dramatic increase in construction and jobs and everything in that area, um, which the governor's office is very excited about. Um, But we have a lot of details on how this deal was negotiated, but not the actual things that made the deal happen. Yeah. um, And actually, uh, one of our readers sent me this incredible little factoid. And by the way, I love random facts. So, you know, inundate me, flood my inbox anytime you want. The that in 1993, Mercedes decided to build a manufacturing plant down in Alabama. And the governor actually lost his reelection campaign the next year because his opponent said that they gave too much away in incentives. Yeah, it was too sweet a deal. Too sweet of a deal. So we'll see. Like I said, this is a big deal for Ohio, a big deal for central Ohio. And so I think there is going to be some tolerance for incentives and like things that are helping this this major opportunity come to central Ohio but it would be nice to know what those things are yeah we it, it would be nice to know what we gave in exchange for this big project yeah to be sure and I mean the governor's who is up for re-election bid um, in 2022. He and John Houston are going to start campaigning on this. Oh, yeah. This as a big win for them. And I think, you know, there's the saying, it's the economy, stupid. And there's a reason for that. Um, jobs and the state of the economy and how well you think uh, your government is doing and bringing jobs to the area is a key thing for voters when they're deciding whether to retain or pick someone new. And so if this is going to be a campaign talking point, this is going to be you know, a point of pride for this administration. We just want to know all of the details. So our second topic is redistricting. So 
And a panel of five Republicans and two Democrats drew the first set of maps back in the fall for the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. And we should make that clear because there's also congressional maps that are going through this process, too. So the state house and the state Senate maps got drawn in the fall. Uh, A bunch of groups got together and said, no, these don't fit the constitutional requirements. The Ohio Supreme Court agreed. They said, commission, go back and do them again. They drew them again. Those same groups said, not good enough. And we're back at the court. Is that like the 30-second version of what's going on? You did very well. It feels (laughs) a little deja vu all over again or maybe Groundhog Day. I'm wondering when we might not be talking about legislative maps, but we'll... Never. (laughs) (laughs) It never ends. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Ohio Redistricting Commission approved these new maps on Saturday. Well, some of you might have been watching the Bengals game and they were... You were not. You were following the commission. (laughs) I was not watching the Bengals game to my chagrin, I would say. Um, but, but yeah, so these maps would give Republicans something like a 57-42 advantage in the House and a 2013 advantage in the Senate, which is less than the first maps that were rejected by the Ohio Supreme Court. And less than what they have now. And less than what they have now. Uh, but you have Democrats pointing to those 42 House seats and saying, well, at least a dozen of these are very, very close, maybe within one percentage point. And so is that really just trying to satisfy the letter of the law without actually getting to the spirit? Um, new House Minority Leader Allison Russo described it as something akin to telling her children to put away their clothes and them just kind of shoving them under the bed or into like a... Well, that's a good analogy. And so, you know, did you actually do what the Ohio Supreme Court asked of you? I think that's what we're going to be waiting for the Supreme Court to decide. Meanwhile, we have to redraw the congressional maps so the people who are going to represent you in Washington, D.C. That's something the Ohio General Assembly is looking at. And we'll see if they can come to some sort of agreement uh, before mid-February. Yeah. And so it goes back to the court and both maps will could potentially end up back in the court, which raises the question, what's up with the May primary? Yeah, I think that's a great question and something everyone is wondering about. I think both the Democrats and Republicans would really rather not move that May primary. We had to move the primary in 2020 and that caused all kinds of wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so there's just a desire to keep it where it is. I think It really depends on how many times they are told to redraw these maps. And I just hesitate (laughs) to venture a guess on how many times we'll be doing this. And so so it depends. Uh, The people who said they had problems with the state house and Senate maps have asked the Supreme Court to delay the filing deadline for these races, which is currently February 2nd. So coming up real soon, that's a possibility that they might, you know, be able to put their paperwork in for these races a little bit later. The legislature also made a few tweaks this week that kind of adjusted some more procedural deadlines and then also like the signatures. So, for example, they changed the numbers of the districts. So maybe you told everybody in your community you were running for District 1 and now you're running for District 15 or something like that. So those are all kind of like minor tweaks, but a major tweak would be changing the primary. 
So our third topic is former Speaker Larry Householder. And for those who don't know, he was arrested in the summer of 2020 and charged with a number of crimes, including conspiracy and bribery and like public corruption. The very, very short story is that him and a group of uh, folks allegedly received uh, a bunch of money from Akron-based First Energy to bail out two nuclear power plants. They were all arrested as a group. Uh, some of them have pled guilty. Uh, one of them unfortunately died by suicide. First Energy actually took a deferred prosecution agreement where it basically admitted to bribing them. And what we've all been sort of waiting on is, are we going to trial? And this week, the answer is um, maybe this fall. Yeah, that's the latest. And I think we've all been waiting to see when this trial is going to happen. I think it's likely that um, former House Speaker Larry Householder and um, the lobbyist, uh, former Ohio Republican Party leader, Matt Borges, will try to take this to trial. And in the discussions about what this might look like, the prosecution is saying, you know, this could be a six-week trial, which would be quite extensive. But it sounds about right for the complexity of the case. Correct. Like, I was like, that that, that feels accurate. Mm-hmm. I think I think myself and Laura Bischoff are going to have to set up residency of since in Cincinnati for those <laughs> weeks. So we'll see. Uh, so that's one thing. And then when will this trial happen? They're saying summer is too early. So I think it's likely to happen in the fall. They didn't actually set a date yet. So we're not 100 percent sure. But if it is in the fall, that's happening right before the 2022 elections, right before the governor's race, right before U.S. Senate races, the House you know, and so that'll be probably not a topic everyone wants to be focusing on right before the election. But depending uh, on where you sit and who you're running against. To be sure, to be sure. <laughs> I think it is going to bring House Bill 6 into sharp focus and kind of the public's attention right before those races hit. Yeah, because there's a lot of recorded evidence that we haven't heard. Um, there was a former lawmaker who wore a wire. There was a lobbyist who wore one. There's like a lot of audio recordings, uh, phone taps. And we can hear perhaps Larry Householder in his own words. Um, and he is sort of a brash and bold person if you guys have never heard him or interacted with him. So it could be really interesting to have all that audio come out in like September or October. Yeah, I for one am really interested in what we're going to learn from that. Uh, the FBI has been pretty, you know, diligent in their details, in their affidavits that they've put out, both in the initial arrests of of Householder Borges and the three others, two of whom have pleaded guilty. And um, in the deferred prosecution agreement of First Energy, I feel like we learn more details every time the, uh, the federal investigators put these things forth. And so a trial would obviously disclose a lot more of what was happening behind the scenes at the Ohio State House. Our fourth topic is retirement, specifically Republican retirements. We had two this week. State Senator Jay Honiger and State Representative Rick Carfagna both announced that they are not running for re-election. Honiger's serving out his term. Uh, Carfagna is actually going to leave uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks or months to join the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, it got me thinking that they're not the only Republicans to announce their retirement in the last year. We had U.S. Senator Rob Portman, uh, Steve Stivers, who also went to the Chamber of Commerce, Anthony Gonzalez. And what all these men seem to have in common is if you were to kind of 
chunk the Republican Party here in Ohio into like a third of the conservatives, like sort of those in the middle and then like a third in moderate. I would put all those guys in like the moderate camp of the Republican Party. Is that like kind of fair? I think moderate has almost become a bad world. Yeah, that's why I get hesitant. Republican Party. So it's it's hard to say. But I do think these are all individuals who are kind of business centric, kind of your kind of chamber Republicans, which is ironic because Rick Carfania is actually going to go (laughs) work for the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. And so sort of the old school Republican statesman, like balance your checkbook type. Yeah. And I think you're losing those types of candidates to a certain extent, people willing to work across the aisle, people who are willing to kind of take a, a less extreme stance sometimes. And then some of the people who have joined the Ohio General Assembly have, um, you know, been more like further right or more kind of one issue candidates. And so it, it does affect kind of the tenor of the conversations that you're seeing at the Ohio General Assembly and just kind of the balance of what ideas are being put forward. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that sort of dovetails back into redistricting because um, I had seen some snarky tweets on the Twitter. Um, if, you know, the congressional lines are redrawn, people sort of preemptively saying goodbye to Steve Shabbat from like the Cincinnati area. And there is that question of like, you know, if some of these lines get drawn to more favor Democrats, are we going to see more and more retirements? Yeah, I think that's possible. I think in the congressional maps, When you're looking to create more balance between Republican and Democratic seats, which right now the last map that was rejected was something like 12 to 3 in favor of Republicans. The place that you look at is Cincinnati because that is a city and even a county that voted for Joe Biden pretty solidly. And yet it's currently represented by two Republican members of Congress. So if you're looking for seats, it's the first place you're going to look. Yeah. And one more thing before you go. Uh, In an acrimonious divorce, they say it's the lawyers who usually win. And it turns out that's true when it comes to redistricting. Jesse looked up how much money the lawyers on all sides of this redistricting case are earning. And it's a lot. Yeah. I think I can say that I am receiving significantly less than they are to cover redistricting. So, I mean, if anyone wants to kick in a half a million dollars for my work here, I'm here for it. I would think it's worth it. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at the Alliance Review. That's the-review.com. 